Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversations about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery, to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a new and happier and healthier you. Now, here's your host, Randy Boyd. Well, greetings and welcome to this episode of Healing Courageously. Again, I have my beautiful wife back with me. Yeah. Um, I noticed the views were down a little bit this week without you on it. Oh, thanks, honey. Yeah, see, so it's important that you're here. But like I told everybody, I had to honor you and your time that you needed for yourself on yeah. our last episode. And I appreciate that because that's not something that's easily done, as you will soon find out through this episode, uh, some of my struggles. So um, thank you for that. Of course. And thank you for those out there listening and watching um, for honoring that. That's something that's really important. I think we have to learn to honor ourselves. Yes. Even when you, you know, you know, you should, it, it's, it's important to say, yes, I'm going to take care of me this time. And that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's uh, part of what I talked about was taking care of me and that Ephesians 525, mm-hmm. you know, where we have to love our, our wives as we Christ love the church. Right. And, you know, Christ died for the church. So what are we dying to? And, and it's not, it's, it's not a, codependent dying it's a it's a fact that sometimes we just got to sacrifice our wants for our spouse's wants yeah it goes both ways it's yeah it goes both ways and it's healthy and there's nothing wrong with that it's a totally healthy um response that is sometimes necessary right so what are we going to talk about this week is you all know who randy is i mean Mm -hmm. i've written a book i've been doing these podcasts and stuff working working on building it up for several years now um, but who's, who's Kathy? Who's my wife? Why, why is she joining me? Uh, what is, what's her life experience been that she, um, can sit here beside me and talk about a lot of the things that we talk about that she can talk about, you know, uh, survivors, uh, spouses, you know, how they, how she can help them. So we're going to, we're going to hear from Kathy today, um, uh, about who she is and how she got to where she was, where she came from. And so on and so forth. And this will be a two-part um, episode. That we don't, we don't want to. We want to try and keep them at that thirty-minute mark, somewhere around there. So, anyways, I'm gonna let Kathy take it from here. This is gonna be her time. Um, Boy, this is my show today, isn't is, it? You <laughs> say you said the, after the first time you were gonna take it over. Oh so. well, here we go. Yeah. Okay. So no, I just thought it would be um, good to hear about me and my testimony. I guess is kind of where I'm going with this. Um, several years ago, when we were involved with Celebrate Recovery, we um, we we had to do a testimony, and it was a written out testimony. So I'm gonna read some of it. But there's also a lot of things that, because of the limited time we had in giving our testimonies in the past, that things that I wanted to kind of add or ad lib and discuss further. So my testimony is something that I wrote um, at at an eight-year mark in my recovery. Um, And so don't don't go nowhere because she's reading the testimony. She's going to read parts of it. We're also going to discuss situations about it okay right right. so i wrote this out in about eight years ago or eight years into my recovery i'm now 14 years on my journey of healing from well i'm only two years behind you so Mm -hmm. healing from my codependency um and as you listen to my story and you listen to my testimony 
Um, I'm hoping that I can reach you or reach somebody, any one person that might relate to some of it, part of it. Um, it'll help you to understand who I am, how our relationship developed to where it is today. Um, so I'm just yeah. going to go ahead and kind of jump into it. Did you want to add well, something? Well, it's just, it's just important to know that everybody has a story. Yes. And that a lot of times we think that our story is we're the only one that's gone through this. Mm -hmm. It's our story. Nobody's done anything like this. You don't. Un we hear it all the time. You don't understand. We do understand. We might not be you. We didn't go through your situation. But everybody has a story. And your story deserves to be heard, especially right. if you're carrying around a lot of pain from your story. Well, now that you've said that, I'm going to start because it, that was a great intro to how I wrote this. And again, this was eight years into my recovery. So uh, some things have changed, other things I'm still working on. But I start with, we all have a story. God wrote my story, just like he's writing your story as well. And this is my story. My name is Kathy. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm in recovery for codependency. Um, I am here to tell you that when it came to write my testimony, like many probably feel, I froze. Um, I felt like I was in a freezer and I just, I, you know, I had stayed there too long, so I didn't have anything to share. Um, and my first thought is, why am I doing this? And I think a lot of us think, why do we do this? Why do we have to, sh why do we have to share our testimony? Why do we have to say anything? Um, what can I possibly bring to this testimony? And so even eight years into my recovery of working on myself, I still had self-doubts. And that's something that I still work on today is self-doubt. So in my recovery and in my journey um, through Celebrate Recovery, there's a scripture called 1 Thessalonians 1.8. And I think this applies, this applies to me. Maybe it will help you. And it reads that your lives are echoing the master's word. The news of your faith in God is out, and definitely my faith in God was out in this process. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You're the message. I love how God's word is always on point, and I hear it just at the right time. So if he says, I'm the message, then so be it. I will be the message. So again, this is just one of the reasons that testimonies are so important is because we all have something to share. And sometimes it's dark. Sometimes it's there's joy. Sometimes there's mediocre things. It doesn't really matter how great or how small or how minute we might think it'll be. There's somebody that needs to hear it. And I mm -hmm. think that's what was important for me. I, I think on that, I'll comment on, I'll, I'll comment on that, that um, with, with my story of the abuse, it when I, whenever I would say it, I spoke publicly about it, and I will speak publicly publicly about it in many, many uh, places and to thousands of people. It helps those people say, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. And the same thing with Kathy, with her courage of putting up with me for tw the 21 years that we were, um, she didn't, it wasn't quite 21 years, but she, her message also it's that same message mm -hmm. and the message of hope. Hope, yeah. yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. <clears throat> so for me, I grew up in the uh, as the oldest child in, of three in a small Orange County town of La Palma. It's by Boynton Park, Knott's Berry Farm, Disneyland, all that area. Um, I have a younger brother and a sister. My mom and dad were both hardworking parents. My mom worked in the real estate field as an escrow officer, and my dad was a teacher and a coach. Um, I had great parents. I, I honestly, I mean, yes, there were their faults. There was downs, you know, some downsides to that, to growing up. But in general, I would say I had a pretty good life. 
Um, I can remember at a very young age that we always had a babysitter or a nanny caring for my brother, sister, and I after school with our when our parents came home from work. And when I hear that, I always think, oh, we must have been rich, you know, but we weren't. We were just your average middle-class family um, whose parents worked very hard. Um, there was always home-prepared meals but, but each wait, night. But wait, but wait, wait, wait. You had a nanny? Mm-hmm. Grown up. Mm-hmm. Well, then how can your life have been that hard? How could you have had any problems growing up? I mean, well, I, I didn't have a nanny. You didn't have, you know. I, I guess it was just that there was always somebody there watching us. We were okay. we weren't on our own. But it must have been nice to have somebody home all the time. That is true. That right. is true. So I can't relate to that. No, that I, it's not for you to relate to. But there may be somebody out there that can Perfect. relate to that having that good family or right. that structure of family. Um, but still have struggles, and that's where I'm going with exactly. this. Is I had, I had a will, a good life. I had a good family, but I still had struggles in my relationships. So mm-hmm. I think it just reminds people that no matter how good you have it, we all struggle somewhere. Um, so we always had meals prepared at night, and dinner was always on the table. It was really a treat to go out to dinner. So we didn't go out to dinner very often. Um, and it, looking back, I know that my parents worked hard to take care of my brother, sister, and I. Um, I can remember attending the Catholic Church at a young age, so we did have a, we did have structure in our life um, from a spiritual perspective. Um, we always got dressed up on Sunday for our Sunday's best, and every Sunday we would always go to my grandparents for supper. My grandparents are from the Midwest, mm-hmm. so supper was um, dinner in the afternoon. So um, most of the time, my grandma would prepare supper at their house, but on occasions we would go to Bob's Big Boy. And that was always a treat. Do you remember Bob's Big Boy when you were a kid? Oh yeah, the hot fudge Sundays were great. <laughs> oh, I had to, I had to have the Bob's Big Boy combo, which was the Bob's Big Boy hamburger, the salad with blue cheese. They had the best blue cheese mm-hmm. and French fries, mm-hmm. and their relish on their hamburgers. I love. I know you don't like relish, but anyways, uh, Big Bob's Big Boy was always a treat. Um, and whenever we had meals with my grandparents, I always had to sit next to my grandpa. Um, he was my idol as a small child, and he always made me feel safe and loved. And I think that that also is just a reminder that we can have parents and grandparents that make us feel safe and loved, but we can still struggle. And, you know, you had just the opposite of that in your home. That uh, Yours was very, the dynamics of your home were very different. Um, but I had grandma, I had granny and gramps. I was going to say, yeah. you had your granny and gramps. And right. so that, that reminds that's me. That's what saved me. That's what saved me. So with yeah. your granny and gramps, what kind, What was a family dinner or what was a dinner that your granny made you that just still sticks out well, to you? You know, one of the things, the it was actually not dinner. Dinners were always good with granny. Grandpa's barbecued hamburgers were the best, oh. right? But it was for dessert, oftentimes we'd get a bowl of white rice with some milk, brown sugar, and nutmeg on it. So you see, you have a special right. memory of right. those those dinners or those right. those things that or, our grannies bring to us. Or on a hot day, because you know, back back in the sixties and seventies, things were a little different. It wasn't soda pop. There was a uh, it was water with a rupert flavored fizz drop you'd put in it, or something oh, like yeah. that, or lemon lime, or something like that. Oh, fun. Yeah. yeah. Or, can't <laughs> can't forget Granny's waffles. Yeah. And Granny's chocolate chip cookies. What about her peach pie? Oh or is it cobbler? God. I don't. No, know. It's, don't <laughs> we it's we not, go back and forth. It's not on this. cobbler. It's peach pie. pie. It might look like a cobbler, but 
There ain't nothing yeah. better than Granny's because she, oh, she was So, there. you know, we all, in our, if you think back, and, and I like to just think about this because sometimes we forget about those moments in our life that brought value to who we are today. Yeah. And I think that that, for me, looking back and knowing how hard my parents worked, um, knowing how dedicated they were to going to church at the time, <clears throat> and I'll talk about that a little bit further, but... Um, and then having that, those times with my grandparents are so, so special. And mm-hmm. I think that gave me a really strong foundation, not knowing in those moments that that's what I would implement because we, we mimic everything we learn and right. we see it's monkey see monkey do. And so for us and for me, it was always important that we had family dinners and we sat down at the table mm-hmm. and we have family dinners even today with our grandchildren. You know, and the other thing, like with my grandparents, is Kathy and I are, are advocates against, you never have to raise a hand on a child. In fact, the Bible, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to. Mm-hmm. And I'll do a whole series on that if that's what you want me to do. But I've done my research, and there's nothing in the Bible that says to hit a kid. My, I was safe in my grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. What I hated the most <clears throat> is my grandmother, when she got mad at me, she'd go, oh, you little shit. Right, and then she, she had this stool, and she would put it in the corner of the kitchen. And she would make me sit with my nose in yeah. the corner of the kitchen, and I hated it because you knew you disappointed her. Exactly. Yeah. At my house, it was no, nothing like that. It was all sorts of uh, emotional name calling and beatings. Yeah. Um, so, and then I, I want you, you again, you, your grandfather. Your grandfather was your safe. You mm-hmm. like I one thing that brought that brought up for me was my grandfather even as an adult when I would go see him he, I'd go up to him and say hey Gramps how you doing and he grabbed my face and he always had whiskers you know he whiskering. he just rubbed my face and his whiskers and I just scrub it in there and he goes I love you boy and I'll never forget that yeah. you know, I'll, I'll never forget so that. those memories I think are important that we all look back and evaluate um, because there's always something yeah. in there yeah. in there for us so um, but I'll go on here so because I did attend church I did have an understanding of God who he was yet I never learned how to read the Bible and that was just one thing in the Catholic Church but then again it could be because we didn't go for my entire life so the relationship with God um, that I learned at a young age would prove to be an important component in my life as I got older. So even that little bit of foundation that I had has made a huge impact on who I am today. Um, And then for some reason, which I don't know, we stopped attending church after second grade. And I think it was because we started getting involved in sports and activities um, outside of the home and outside of school. We were, you know, baseball, softball, those types of things were happening. Dance was happening. Um, I'm just assuming that's what it was, but I really think that that had a lot to do with it because that took a lot of time away from my parents who worked full time. Um, my dad was a coach, so he was home, not home a lot in the evenings as well because of his coaching. So I often wonder how different my life would have been had we um, gone to church all the time. But at this point, I'm grateful that we ha- that I had that foundation that I had um, because I do believe that was all part of God's plan. And I'm super grateful that I had an understanding of God, an understanding of the church, because in a time, at some time in my life, this is going to make a lot more sense. So I want to just kind of touch bases on the sports activities. Um, A lot of that was also an impactful time in my life where it created um, character in me. I learned how to win. I learned how to lose. I learned how to accept. I learned how... Um, to be competitive, but yet compassionate and understanding, empathetic. 
Um, so sports for us growing up was really, really important for me. Um, for you, was it more of an escape for you, I think? Yeah, or? a lot of it was an escape. I, I mean, I love playing baseball. Um, I had no support from my family whatsoever. So it was my, my self-esteem was so shot that I, I doubted myself throughout the entire time I did it. Mm-hmm. You know? It's funny, um, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, kind of giggling inside, not because of what it was. It's just thinking how God has put two completely opposite. It's right. almost emotional thinking how God has put two completely different households together in mm-hmm. a marriage of 39 years. Right. And uh, that just tells you God was working in both of us, in both of us a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. Well, then, you know, we played softball. I played softball for how many years? And I love playing yeah, softball. Yeah, we did that. He played, we played Great. co-ed. It was a lot of fun. But in, in high school, the big thing was, was surfing because it was an escape. I was safe in the water, okay? Nobody could hurt me. Nobody could touch me. Oftentimes, I would surf well into the dark because mm-hmm. I just didn't want to go home because yeah. um, I was always afraid of what was going to happen at night when I, when I was at home. Um, so, yeah, it was surfing was, was probably my, my biggest escape. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. I mean, oh, there, that was your safe. Yeah, that's yeah. what was your safe point. And your plus, safe place to Plus, go. I enjoy the ocean. I mean, yeah. you know how I am right now. Once yeah. a beach boy, oh, it's a beach boy. Yeah. Here I, I am in change. Arizona. You know, <laughs> like so. Um, yeah, it's it's sports. It, it's it, I think sports. When we look at Garrett, our son, mm-hmm. you know, and our kids that played sports. All the kids, actually. All the kids. When, what know, it's done people. is, yeah, all the kids. It's taught them some tremendous work ethics. If, 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 if sports are played properly with the right coaches mm-hmm. it's going to teach you these tremendous work ethics and how to work together as a team and it's i look at our kids and it's just like man i mean that's what it was all about right. so i'll just add to that before i continue here too is the relationships that are built in yeah that. i am still friends thank god for facebook and social media i am friends with a lot of the mm-hmm. kids that i grew up in sports with um in, in elementary school all the way through high school in our sports activities, um, and our kids. Plus some of the parents of the kids that we I'm just saying, And yeah. the kids that we coached, right. um, we're still friends with those kids and, and their parents. And, their parents. Yeah. and so those relationships are really relationships that are awesome to be, exactly. you know, to carry on. Exactly. So anyways, growing up all through elementary school, junior high and high school, I was a very outgoing person who loved to laugh and have a good time. Those no. that know me <laughs> know that to be true. Um, I did excel in the classroom, and I always wanted to do my best. I wanted to stand out and shine. I was a rule follower and still can be. When I break the rule every now and then, Randy's like, oh, you broke the rules. <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. Um, but the bad downside is that she won't let me break the no, rules. No, I don't. But I do them anyway. Yeah, I, don't no. I just never wanted to do anything wrong. Um, it made me feel good about myself and accepted by others. I always did my best to accept others for who they were. Um, it didn't matter what their culture was. I was always going to accept them as this is what God says to do. <clears throat> I made friends easily and still have some mm-hmm. very close relationships that have lasted over 40 years. Yeah. And that's a long time. Um, but I love those relationships. Um, on, the, on the opposite spectrum. Yeah. I, Again, this is so interesting. Because that, of, of what happened to me and the shame I was carrying. I don't have a lot of friends from I have acquaintances from high school, but I don't have a lot of a lot of people that I can really truly call it friends in my life anymore. Yeah, uh, you know, Anthony is is a really good friend that we ride bikes with, mm-hmm. but but you know, it's they're just not there. And yeah, it's not that I don't want them. 
I've been hurt so much that it's like, I mean, even with what's happened recently. Yeah. You know, no, you're fine. You're, so. I mean, and again, this is just the beauty of letting right. people know how different, yeah. how different we can be on our, where we came from, but yet how we can make a beautiful life. And mm. that there's healing in a lot of that so that we can create that. I'm probably wondering, what the heck's she doing with him? No, because I'm so good so. looking, huh? No. <laughs> get out, get out. So let me continue here because <laughs> okay, now we're going to bring Randy into my life <laughs> no, here. So in 1981, I met my husband, Randy, this guy, handsome dude right here, for the first time at a birthday party for one of my parents' friends. Now, the story on that is that my mom and dad were best friends with his aunt and uncle. So we were at his aunt and uncle's house for their daughter's first birthday. So that's the very first time I saw him. Now, those kids are 42 years old. Yeah, 42 yeah, years old. Yeah. They're 42 yeah. years old. So although he was still married to his first wife and I was still just dating, it wasn't until June of 1982 that we met again. <clears throat> By this time, he was now divorced and a father of a two-year-old son. That's our, that's our Danny. Yep. Um, we went on our first date together with his aunt and uncle to the Doodah Parade in Pasadena <laughs> in November. It's always, I think it's always Thanksgiving weekend. Um, this was a great day of fun and laughter. We got to see who I was <laughs> mm-hmm. in all my glory. Um, and I soon realized that I really kind of liked him. I liked you then. <laughs> we dated a few more times that year. And by February 1983, he had proposed to me and we were married August 20th, 1981, uh, 1983, excuse me. Boy, this is just what I had dreamed of. Finding a hardworking, handsome man I could call my husband and eventually have a family with. I was all of 21 years old and felt so grown up at this time in my life. And I can remember, I mean, as little girls, I think we always dream about, you know, getting married, having a family, wearing that wedding dress, having a house with the white picket fence. That was all the image that I had. And I remember my sister <laughs> asking me, she goes, are you sure you're not just living out your dream? And I'm like, well, I am. But what's wrong with that? You know, at first I'm like, no, 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 no. But then I thought about, yeah, no, I am living out my dream. This is what I had dreamt of as a little girl. So and I think we all at some point in our lives have that perception and that image of what we think we want. And uh, at that time, that was exactly what I got. So as I go on here, you'll find that there was more to my little white picket fence in my dream. Um, Little did I know just how much God's hands would be in our marriage. And I mentioned that earlier, how important that foundation of church was for me. When we were just dating, Randy had confided in me about a secret he had been carrying since he was 12 years old. He had told me he had been molested um, by his stepdad. And I did have no clue. I had no clue what that meant. But I do believe that when he shared that secret with with me, that's when my codependency really kind of started. Um, you see, I thought I was going to be, everything was going to be okay. We were going to tell his aunt. We were going to tell his granny. Um, I was going to do everything I could to fix him and get the secret out so that he no longer has this burden that he has to carry. But little did I know how much work that was going to be. And, you know, sometimes those secrets that people carry, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's something like abuse, they will destroy you. And so we... We have really worked hard since our journey of of healing started to not carry any secrets. Um, I think there were secrets that took place prior to recovery, but since recovery, I can honestly say there's been nothing that I have kept secret uh, or sacred to myself um, because it's important to have a healthy marriage to make sure that everything is out. Did you want to share anything on that? 
Well, we've talked about secrets before, yeah. and, and it's like secrets can can actually they will destroy your marriage. Um, there is no doubt about it. They um and they'll destroy you. So mm -hmm. it's like the Bible says, "What's in the dark will be brought out brought to, to the, the light." light. And yeah. so, you know, it, it's better. I think <clears throat> I think with secrets is it's this. Well, I, I got to do this stuff, but I'm afraid to talk to my wife about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'll um. I'll just make something up and I won't tell her. Or you that. go around. You go you, you go around so that you don't have to you don't have to go through whatever whatever you perceive in your mind you're gonna have to go through, right? Right, you're gonna go okay. the long way you're there. You're gonna go the long way there. <laughs> so then then you go out and do whatever it is you're doing, you you've lied to your wife about it, right? Or your or your husband, either one. And then so now you're living with the secret and you're always looking over your shoulder. And as time goes by, you're telling a lie on top of a lie because you forget you forgot about you don't the even first lie. The truth is, and then when it comes out, it, it would have been better. Effect, it would have yeah. been better just to say it up front because it's just it, it's the damage. Is, the damage yeah. is, is, is bad. Yeah, definitely bad. There, real quick, there was one time that I'll never forget this. I was with my bunch of guys. We were having coffee at Starbucks. We all had you know motorcycles, Harleys. And they wanted to go up to Julian for a ride on a Wednesday, I think it was, right? So I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Let's do this. It's going to be fun, right? And then as I walked to my truck, I go, oh, man, I forgot. I told Kathy I'd take her out to lunch tomorrow, right? So I'm sitting there in my head. I go, what can I tell her? To, you know, what can I make up so I, I, I don't have to take her? And then, we're married, right? And this is a couple of years or a year or so into my recovery. I got this battle going on in my head, right? What can I tell her so I can go on this ride, blah, 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 blah. And I said, what are you doing, Boyd? Just tell her what's what's going on and see if we can go to lunch a different day. So I called her up. I said, hey, babe, so-and-so, um, so-and-so, they want to ride up to Julian tomorrow. They want me to go with them. Would you mind if I, I rode up with them guys tomorrow and we had lunch on the following day? Yeah, go ahead. Have fun. I mean, simple. So I, I, here I am trying to plot this lie out in my head to go do something which she was just perfectly okay with me doing. Right. Yeah. So um, continuing here, as a result of Randy's abuse, Randy was either very happy or very angry. Many times later in our marriage, I never knew who was really coming home. Um, the man that I married, the happy Randy, or the man that I feared, which was the angry Randy. It was that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh -huh. scenario. Um, a few years into our marriage, we were blessed with two beautiful kids, Garrett and Alyssa, um, who joined our family of three because when I married Randy, he had his son, my stepson, Danny. And I thought for sure that the, my childhood dreams of getting married, having a family, and living happily ever after with that white picket fence were coming true. Now, one, one thing I do want to say that we chose at an age-appropriate time to let our kids know of Randy's abuse. So our kids have pretty much grown up knowing of his story. We felt that it was important to understand that. And at the time, we didn't we weren't in recovery when we shared this. Obviously, they were much younger because our kids were teenagers and older when recovery started for us. But they did have an understanding because we wanted to be able to talk openly about what abuse was, uh, whether it was physical, emotional, spiritual, or sexual abuse. Um, obviously, we wanted to protect our kids from ever having that happen to them, to the best of our ability. Um, about 18 years into our mar marriage, after many years of working hard trying to fix Randy and do everything I could to make him feel better, um, make him happy, all those things, I was exhausted. 
I had no more energy to give to him physically and emotionally. I would just go through the emotions with him. Um, when we were sexually active, I just kind of was there. I wasn't involved. I wasn't connected. Um, I gave him answers I thought he wanted to hear just to keep the peace. There was so much uh, chaos going on. I was becoming lost on who I was supposed to be as a wife, a mother, and a woman. And that not only affected me personally, it affected our marriage. It affected me as a, as a parent to our children. Um, and during these years, we didn't attend church, nor did our kids. So our kids had no upbringing of any spiritual um, knowing or knowledge. Um, but I always felt God's presence. And he, I, I, he, I always felt safe knowing that God was with me, even in those dark places. Um, I started to become fearful in my marriage, yet I never thought of leaving the marriage. I was going to stick it out no matter what, um, because that's how I was raised. Uh, be that faithful wife, even in difficult times. Um, I was becoming I, I, I'm curious for you. I don't know how you felt during that time or if you even remember, but did you feel me pulling away? Did you notice? I No, I, I don't. Or was it, you were so involved in your disease? that I was just so involved in, in everything that was going on in my life that I didn't, I didn't really notice a pull. When you were saying that, I go, it's sad because I wasn't aware of that. Right. I wasn't cognitive enough to be aware of that. I wasn't mindful enough to be aware to of that. To even change or fight or anything. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think that's the disease <clears throat> of, that's the addiction that's there is that they, that a person who has an addiction, they get so caught in that web of addiction that, it's very difficult to notice anything on the outside. Yeah, and a lot of it too is, you know, you think it's normal. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's true. It's, it, just, it's just normal. It just we happened and we're there. Yeah, you know, we're here, we're <laughs> this there. This part of and, it. You know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. And, you know, it's good because there, there was a lot of good in our in our, in our our marriage, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And when it was good, it was good. But when it was bad, it, it, was, it was bad. Right. Right. So, you know, being that this is how I was raised, that I was going to stick with it and stay with it. Um, be the be the faithful wife even in difficult times. I I mean I saw my mom and dad fight on occasion, not very often, but it, they just they were always together. So I thought we're supposed to always be together. And there's a scripture that really stood out to me, and that's Galatians five twenty two, which I love. It says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness." And I get emotional thinking about that and reading that scripture because those are all the things that I want to be. And I feel like I am a lot of those things most of the time. I mean, there's times when I'm sure I'm not. But this is how I thought I was to be in every circumstance, no matter how difficult things were. The words mean so much more to me today. And I mm -hmm. think I can, can obviously see that. Mm -hmm. um, throughout most of my marriage, I never had many girlfriends. Um, I had people that I worked with that were friends that I worked with, but mostly they were acquaintances. They were the parents of the kids that we played, that the kids played sports with. Um, but I never felt like I could just go out and hang out with my friends. Um, I became that dedicated wife and mother. And I honestly was too fearful to be anything more than that at this point in our marriage. Not that it was like this at the beginning, but during this time where things kind of shifted in our marriage. Um, it was during this time that my marriage felt dark. I was drinking and using drugs right alongside Randy. Um, and at some point, this all seemed very normal to me, like you mentioned, and really not a big deal. Right. Um, at the beginning, it was all fun and games. And as time went on, I believe I drank and did drugs just to keep the peace 
and just check out. And I think that's all, that's a huge codependent um, behavior. There is just is that people pleasing, just do everything to keep the peace and keep calm. Lost myself in that process. Um, but in 2003, while at a party with friends, I saw my husband lean down and kiss another woman on the back of her neck. She too was married, and because I had been drinking, my tongue was very loose. If any of you out there have a drink in the past, you know how easy it is to just fling those words. Um, on our way home, I could not hold back any longer, and I said some things that escalated into a big fight. Once we were in the driveway of our home, the fight became physical as I slapped my husband across the face. I am not proud of that by any means. Um, not only, only to have him slap me back and knock me to the ground, fracturing my humerus bone. Um, our kids were teenagers at this point, and we were home, and they were home during this time, and they were scared to death, so they called the police. My husband took off before the police arrived, and I was sent to the ER to have my shoulder looked at. After being discharged from the hospital in the early morning hours, I went home. My husband was already home. I'm asleep, so I did what I thought I was supposed to do as the good wife, crawl into bed, and fell asleep. This incident was um, never discussed by me or my husband again. I just stuffed it away like so many other things I had learned how to do. This became my coping mechanism. So in this time of our life, we brought our kids into a really messy place. They saw a lot of our mess. Um, and then, you know, my coping me mechanism was shut, shut the door, ignore it, put it in a box, only to never open it again. Um, just when I thought I had hit my bottom and couldn't imagine anything else would happen to me, after all, I was that loving and dedicated wife, um, I was once again faced with more pain. In 2004, my womanly intuition kicked in, and I found out that my husband had been having an affair. As painful as this was and as distraught as I felt, the thought crossed my mind, thank God, I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> this was trying to do everything, anything and everything to make my husband happy. This was putting on a front to my family and friends that I had it all together, which I really didn't. And this was slowly breaking me down, um, and I no longer knew who I was. It was almost like a breath of fresh air that I didn't have to keep doing this. Um, I didn't know who, what my hobbies were. I didn't know what I liked for myself, and I really was lost to myself. But as most of you know, my marriage didn't end here. And after some time to process what had happened, I remember hearing God's voice say, you have been married to this man for over half your life. You can't give up that easily. So with that voice and those words placed in my heart, I was focused on healing my broken heart and my broken marriage. Proverbs 10:12 is what I'm going to close with. says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. I know that no matter how much I was hurt and how much I hurt myself, I still love this man. When I took my vows in 1983, I took them seriously and needed to start putting my life back together and take myself back. And so this was a period of my time where I realized that I have a voice that I need to learn how to use it. And so um, this kind of ends that period of darkness. How does it make you feel to hear this? I know it's probably not well, easy. No, it's not easy. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm not proud of none of it, but it was... In 2004 so it was you know 18 18 years ago so it's gone by quick um kathy will continue her story on part two but none of it was easy yeah you know we there's a lot of work that i had to do a lot of work that kathy had to do and we'll get um, into that a little we'll, bit more in the next, we'll get into next that episode on, yeah on, on, the, on the next episode but um it, it's the one thing kathy and i talked about this not too long ago about our vows 
and you know you say your vows before God and I feel Kat well both of us but Kathy really she's upholding her vows she has every right she had every right to divorce me biblically she had every right to divorce me but because of her vows she said no I'm not going to I'm not she knew who I really was yeah right and for that reason she decided to fight right and I decided to fight and it took both of us being willing, and that's what we'll go exactly. into. You know, you'll see yeah. a little bit more of that. But yeah, we we really, if both people want the marriage to work, it will work. It does require work. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. But we can go into that to we'll, a little we'll, bit more we'll, in the we'll next go that in episode. Part two. Exactly. So, um, I just want to say thank you for letting me giving me this opportunity. It's of kind of course. kind of weird to read this. I haven't read it for a while and haven't really thought about it, but you know, it's still my story. It's still my truth and I'm not ashamed of it. There are emotional periods of it in there, but I think that's because I see how much God has worked in me mm-hmm. and in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so thank you guys for listening. Just want to um, remind you of a couple things. You yeah. have a couple things you want to share. Yeah. Let's, uh, where's it at? Where's my book at? The the flyer on my book. I didn't. As I mentioned, and it is finally here, long awaited, but the Spanish version, Spanish version of Healing the Wounded with Child Within is now out on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful book. Um, Kindle and paperback. It's same healing the wounded child within, but now it's a Spanish version. Spanish version, right? You want me to say it in Spanish? Yeah, can you say it in Spanish? Sanar las heredias del niño interior. There you go. She That's thinks she's Spanish. Spanish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my mama did. My mama was. And also the my my the English version is available on Amazon, also in, in, in paperback, Kindle, and that one's available on audio as well. Um, visit our our. Our page, changeyourlifestorynow.com. This is what we do. We help people change their lives mm-hmm. into a joyful life. And we are going to be putting out on Instagram a Healing Courageously uh, page. It's out. We're going to start promoting and pushing through Instagram. So right. watch for that. Um, like, Make sure you follow us on Instagram uh, so that you can get... Uh, so we'll just have fun things that will go out each week that you can follow um, it, along it, there and share make sure you share it because it's important that we get this word out this is those of you that have been listening for a long time know the value of this please share 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 it's important that you share our page share information share with your friends it, social media personally whatever that looks like it's really important to get this word out for these for people to know that there is hope and healing it, in it, their life and also they, they can subscribe to this on anchor too perfect i think there's a, there should be a link in there i'll make sure that I, the link is in there that you just put and you subscribe to it also if you watch this on youtube subscribe there yep. subscribe and like um so together we do this as a community right. exactly. so let's, exactly. let's all do our part so, uh, we're really wanting to grow this a lot and to help a lot of people out yeah. there um, so changeyourlifestorynow.com, if you're interested in any of our life coaching um, abilities, it's there. I am a trauma-informed life coach at this point in time. I've always been trauma, but I got the official trauma-informed life coach certificate um, for those that are concerned about that. Um, also with our Symbus, Save Your Marriage Before It Starts, uh, great way 
great way for mm-hmm. for pre-marriage counseling to find out about each other. It's, yeah. it's, it's a phenomenal tool. So check that out. And you want to say something real quick about the Courageous Healers Foundation? Yeah. So just uh, just as a reminder, Courageous Healers Foundation is our uh, 503C nonprofit uh, who helps men, women, and families heal from the scars of abuse, sexual, physical, emotional, spiritual. Um, we are really, really pushing and promoting uh, for fundraising on that, we uh, if you check out the website, CourageousHealers.org, you will find a donation button. If you have it on your heart to donate, whether it's $5, $10, a monthly donation, um, you can set yourself up for that. We truly appreciate that. It helps us to um, offset the cost of, of uh, helping others heal, um, giving them opportunity for life, giving them opportunity for their own healing for the, not only the individuals, but for their families. <clears throat> So we just, we're really pushing that. It's really hard to ask for money. We ask that you pray with us for the foundation, that you continuously keep us in prayer, that uh, God's going to direct and guide us on the next steps that we can take with that. And I think that's it. That's it, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for joining us again. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll have part two come out next week and uh, be able to just continue on this episode. So we thank you for joining us on this episode. And again, you know, have my wife here. I guess that's, you know, that's what people like. They don't like looking at me. They like looking at you. Thank you. And plus, it's a little softer approach when you're here. I, you know me. I can get pretty stern when I, yeah, when I, I talk. Yeah, I hear you in here sometimes. I mean, but you know what? <laughs> hey, it, it, it's, I'm passionate about it. And yeah. I, know, I know what's worked in our marriage, and, and we've seen it work and yep. not work in other marriages. You know, people don't do the work and so on and so forth. So All right. remember, nobody tells you they love you today. Randy does. Kathy does. More importantly, God does. Yes. Be blessed, everybody. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does.